0: Welcome back, everyone. You know, sometimes you get lucky. Sometimes you have a feeling that maybe we shouldn't record tonight. Maybe let's push it off till tomorrow. And then what do you know? News drops that makes this a jam-packed podcast. We're probably not going to fit everything in. Going to have to,
1: you know, do a part two. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, did you Did you see the news today? I mean, if you go on Twitter and you're a boxing fan, how could you have missed it?
0: Tell the good listeners what it is that seems to be coming to
1: fruition if they were not on Twitter. According to Mike Coppinger's sources, me, Errol Spence, and Terrence Crawford have come to an agreement to square off on July 29th, I believe. With a bilateral rematch clause. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Which is fair, I think, you know, given the stature of these two guys, what's at stake here. I mean, let's 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 be real. Let's address that, first of all. I, I didn't mean to... I, I didn't plan this, but I feel like Terrence Crawford and Errol Spence in the welterweight division have demonstrated over the course of their careers that whether the fights are close, whether they're competitive, whether they're one-sided, they're entertaining. And I find it hard to believe that there's any way that this fight plays out where we're just going to come away thinking we don't want to see that again. Because, I mean, I mean, maybe if you got, you know, you're watching with your heart and your guy wins, you may not want to risk giving the other guy the, the, the W back. But just thinking about it objectively from pure entertainment standpoint, I mean... I find it hard to believe that we're going to get a matchup that we don't want to see 2 3 times.
1: I mean, with the stakes that are on this fight, it doesn't surprise me. It's a fight that's been in the making for quite a while. Um considering Terence Crawford is a free agent, I think it it's a little bit e- Well, not anymore. Huh? Well, not anymore. Well, I mean like prior to the fight being agreed, I think like the rematch details are probably a bit easier Um, so it's not like Floyd and Pacquiao where they were just like, okay, we're just going to do this one off and that's it. We're going to get a rematch. I think that was predictable. What I'm curious about is like, like this fight took forever to hammer out. I want to know why, like what, what did Showtime have to do to get Terrence Crawford to say, yes, let's sign. And what are the details of the rematch? Like is the first one 50, 50 and the second one 60, 40? Is the first one 6040 and then the winner gets sixty forty again? Or well not again, but you know what I'm saying. Well, it could be again, but it could be again, think, or it could um, just flip to sixty-forty. You know what I'm saying?
0: I think there's one key difference this time around. And I think the reason why it I it it appears to have gotten over the hump this time. It's it's pretty similar in some cases to Canelo and Plant, where the first time they went to the table... Well, actually, it was the second time, I think. I think they had kind of had a little cup of coffee with each other like the year before or or earlier in the year. I think it might have been the year before. But they had a little cup of coffee where Plant was like, no, nah, I'm not taking this fight on six weeks' notice. You go give this to somebody else. I ain't doing this shit. Um, But for... But for the second go-round, which was like the first real serious negotiations that didn't work out, I think they hammered out most of the details and they came to general agreement so that when they came back to the table that second time after things fell apart, they had basically gone to the negotiation table this time, specifically understanding what the pain points were going to be, and they worked on those ones. They already kind of knew, we had the framework, we know what works, we're, we're going to leave what works that uh, alone. And we're just going to work on the stuff. That's the hard part. I think, you know, it's kind of like driving somewhere. Like the first time you got the, the directions or, or if, you know, you don't really have the directions. You're trying to figure it out. But the second time, you know, you already you got the directions in your head on how to get there. And uh, you just got to remember, you know, do I turn left or right right here? I feel like that's probably what it was this time around. And then the other thing, which is a detail that we didn't have the last, or I mean, I don't think it was a. Uh, this was the case the first time, but Terrence Crawford was mostly doing the negotiation on his own last time. This time around, he's got somebody. He's got an actual agent doing the, his 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 business for him, and everyone around him, you know, that spoke to Terrence Crawford or kind of was quote unquote on the inside the first time around. Was like, you know, Terrence Crawford's got to trust that people who do business and don't fight, they're better at doing business than you are because you fight. Whereas, like, if they try to go in the ring, you know, we'll trust you because you're the fighter. And I think there were a lot of things that, from a business standpoint, maybe for a fighter was harder for him to grasp because that's just not like that's not the nature of your work. And now that he got a businessman in there doing business for him, I think it was a lot easier to come to these. Uh, agreements on the particulars of the fight.
1: And so who is this guy that Terrence got? got? It's Ish. It's like Ish Wainwright or something like that.
0: Uh, ish, I don't think his name is Ish Wainwright. Um it's Ish something, I don't remember. Somebody posted it. Uh but he's with CAA, which is the the biggest talent agency you know in entertainment. And um I think uh what are you doing? What's this noise?
1: Sorry, I meant to mute my bad.
0: I don't know what this guy's doing. Uh he he apparently helped negotiate Fury and Wilder. And so my thinking is CAA is one of the representatives that kind of deals with top rank. And maybe there's some history that he's got with top rank. That he also knew Terrence Crawford, and therefore he was able to, um, you know, slide right in and be somebody that Ca- Crawford is comfortable with, and that also has a history in dealing with boxing. That's that's my guess on 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 how that is. But I, you know, something that I was thinking of, and in a, it really needs to be acknowledged, is that Errol Spence is that dude is. He's a little crazy. Let's just just put that out there first. He's a little crazy. But also, you got to respect that this dude is a man of his word. He is serious about his business. And, you know, he said, long ago, I'm going to get the titles one by one, and Terrence Crawford will be last. And he went in order. He went and got the IBF. Then he got the WBC. No, the W... Yeah, he got the WBC. Then he got the WBA. And now it's Terrence Crawford. He said he wasn't going to fight Keith Thurman. He is not fighting Keith Thurman. You know, pro, Keith Thurman probably not feel doesn't feel good about this. But, you know, the, you know, he ain't fighting Keith Thurman. When Terrence Crawford did what he did, you know, dragging the negotiations out, Errol said, all right then, cool, I'll just hang out right here. Terrence Crawford does a tune-up. Errol says, okay, go ahead, do that. Waits around, has the Thurman fight there in the event that it just became clear that Terrence Crawford was just not willing to fight him. Errol checked in and probably told him, Look me in the eye and tell me you you want you want this fight. And he said, Yeah, I do. I don't think that actually happened, but something along those lines. And then said, Okay, well, we'll go back to the table and make it work. And they did. They're fighting. This dude has been out of the ring for over a year, um, but still, he is actively showing that that dude, his nickname, applies to him on a personal level. You know, his nickname's the truth. That dude does what he says, and it's pretty admirable to see him put his foot down and say, "Like, I- I'm I'm just gonna wait you out if you if you don't if you if you're gonna want to fuck around and not make this fight."
1: I think it's interesting because like you know I I always try to pay attention to how all types of different boxers navigate their careers. Um and that was like a little bit why I was so perplexed with the Devin Haney thing. You know, for those who listen to it, I'm still stunned that he's been able to operate so freely and still be so successful. But like boxers are always in this like damned if you do, damned if you don't position, especially if you don't have like the proper you know like manager, or promoter a guy like Floyd, who really wanted to fight Pacquiao, he just kept fighting and fighting and fighting until like the Pacquiao fight had to happen. Arrow, on the flip side, he he literally stopped his career until Bud just happened to was ready to fight him. You know, like Bud went off and uh fought me and not me and Machine, uh Abanesian, David Avenesian. And like people were not happy about it. And people were not happy with Errol sitting out, but Errol was like, "I want this fight. I told you I'd give you this fight, and and I'll prove it to you." And, but either way, like people were crying about it. Um, I was always on the side of like, "You guys are crying now, but when the fight gets announced, you won't. You're going to be talking about booking your rooms and who's going to win and talking trash and let's bet." And like, sure enough, that's the case. But you know. Damned if you do, damned if you don't. But I'm, I'm happy that we're finally here. And uh, if it's official, you know, we can finally talk about the matchup or the business behind it or what the undercard might be like, what the future of the uh, welterweight is like. It's, it's like finally things are starting to progress a little bit.
0: It's funny because, like, you know, it's actually just talking about the future. Something I thought of. It's really funny. They're going to have a rematch no matter what. Right. I think that's pretty clear. The WBA, the WBC, the WBO, the IBF, all four titles are at stake. These dudes have been fiending for those titles to come free. Out here mandating regular belts and interim belts and and, and coming up with all these inventive solutions to, to collect another check. They got to be sick to their stomach right now that they're probably not going to be able to... or. You can't really create an interim title now. Like, if you had any plans or to do, like, the regular shit, that doesn't seem feasible. What seems even less feasible is stripping one of these dudes and messing up Undisputed. And I'm just wondering, like, is WBA gonna be bold and say, like, no, 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 we are not complicit with the rematch clause here. Uh, if the winner does not fight, Stan Yonis or whatever, we're stripping you. And, like, Taking undisputed away from the rematch.
1: I mean, at that point, is like how I was wondering about that. How important is undisputed to like the rematch? Like, like the, it's 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 really like a race to undisputed. Like whoever gets their first wins. If if like one of the guys got stripped, I wouldn't care so much. I don't know, like if other people might, but that wouldn't bother me at all. Um,
0: yeah, I I think at the end of the... yeah, you know, sometimes. Um, we have a tendency to get stuck in like the weeds of things and think that us as hardcore fans, um, you know, the things that we care about are what actually people care about. And I don't think the... Undis- Certainly don't think it matters for the rematch, but I, I don't even think it matters for um, for the first fight. I mean, this is a fight that the, the, the names are bigger than the title and the distinction of the fight itself. And if there was ever any like... There was ever a test to see if the fighters are ever bigger than the titles that are at stake? I mean, Tank Ryan just blew that notion completely out the window that you need a title.
1: Yeah, I mean, like I I was arguing with some friends like a couple of days ago and they were talking about like Devin versus like Tank and how Tank has not accomplished as much as Devin has. And I'm just like, I don't like you guys keep referring to titles. I don't really care about titles. The boxing is way too political to like, just lean on titles and that let that mean everything. So
0: the only thing you can do with the title at the end of the day is sell that shit on eBay,
1: like bonus (laughs) Potterosian. and then sign with Don King. But I mean like what, like, like whatever titles, like just give us the fight and that's all we need. Um, there just comes a point in guys' careers where like...
0: And most guys, almost all, never come to this point where your name means more than any title fight you could be in. Now, it's it's a bit of a catch-22 because sometimes you... Most of the time, you need a title to build your name to that. But when you get to like a status like Floyd... I mean, Floyd could come back tomorrow... And fight someone decent, and it not be for a title. And I guarantee that that would be. And it's hard to say for this year because there's been some really big fights, but I
1: mean it will be in the running for the biggest fight of the year. I mean, truth be told, like the I think PBC has pretty good control of the mandatories because Boots is mandatory for the IBF, right? Uh-huh. No, uh huh. No,
0: yeah, I don't think he's mandatory. Actually, I don't remember. Okay, so he might be, he might not be, but I I think he's up there. Because the IBF, they they trip sometimes, and they'll
1: be like, nah, how about we just trip you then? Thurman is the mandatory for the WBC. The winner of Stannyonis and Virgil will be mandatory for the WBA, I think. Mm -hmm. And who has the WBO? Do we know? Terrence Crawford, and then it's Alexis Rocha. Okay, so like Alexis Rocha, in my opinion, is like, or Virgil would be like the only guys that can interrupt it. And I just don't think either would. Could be wrong.
0: Yeah, I don't I mean, I don't I don't see that happening.
1: But but so let me ask you um, like what are the chances that Coppinger is wrong here? One percent. <laughs> I like the confidence. Everything lines up. So dates everything dates, lines up.
0: Steven Espinoza confirmed it. Um the date possibly could change. But it see this seems to be right in the wheelhouse of when all the rumors have said it was going to be, so I think that this is close enough. Um, I don't think they would do August. Uh, I, I I I mean I I I don't think it would be any competition really. But Jake Paul and uh, whatever the dude's name is, they already got that early August date. I don't think they're like gonna. They would just like schedule and go head to head. And it just doesn't seem so. No, smart. I mean,
1: it's not competition, but, like, why like clog the uh, runway?
0: Yeah, like, I, I think that they would only do that if they needed to. I think end of July makes a lot of sense for this fight because you don't want to... I, I think you don't really want to go into August because depending on the timing, you're a little too early for football and then potentially a little too late. And so you don't want to compete there... I think July is probably the sweet spot for this fight.
1: <clears throat> no, I, I have no uh, disagreements there. Um, what was I going to say, man? Damn, I forgot what I was going to say. I'm just... But oh, go no, ahead. I'm I, sorry. I
0: was going to say, um, that, that date makes sense. It's basically what everybody's been saying the whole time. I think the original date that everyone thought it was going to be was the 22nd, and this is one week later. So, like... I don't know. This it seems like
1: this is probably correct. Oh, this is what I wanted to say. You know, I I'm so sad that the state of boxing news is so shitty that this gets announced, and like literally five of my friends all text me the same question: Is this real? And I I, <laughs> I just like I I think it's right that they ask because they're aware they're not dumb you know what I'm saying they know that boxing news breaking is pretty shitty inconsistent especially when it's not coming directly from the fighters but i wish like there was something that boxing could do to like <clears throat> remedy that you know i wish like coppinger wasn't the guy dropping it i wish that before it could be coppinger the fighters got to announce it i mean i part of me kind of wonders does pbc have like a showcase thing uh, not a showcase upfront thing coming because There's still a lot of guys that No. what happened. No. What what I was going to say is there's still a lot of guys who don't have fights announced. So like maybe they have like a little ace up their sleeve where they're going to roll out a bunch of fights at once. I mean, that would very that would be very shocking. But the point is, like, I hate that all my friends have to text me. Is this real? And then I have to like explain to them, like, why it probably is, why it might not be, why Coppinger sucks, but why he is connected in this case. Um, and and keep and keep well, your fingers I mean, crossed. Pretty much, <clears throat> the
0: reason for that is you know, the sport's kind of a joke. Like it, no. it is really a clown show in terms of the coverage, and like a lot of times, the only thing you can believe is the fighters. But like, depending on the level of a fighter, they're also wrong too about their own dates sometimes. So I think, yeah, the no one's really doing like consistent work to consistently be correct about what they're reporting and so this is what happens where like the credibility is lost for people who write about the sport and and i think even more so it it falls on these guys are all basically pr and it's that you can see right through their biases and stuff like that and like look bias is okay The notion that, like, you have to be objective, I don't think that that's true. It's okay to have biases. What is not okay, I think, is to not have any accountability. And so when you have writers that write about stuff, and in the case of, um, you know, this fight in particular, there's been reports that it was done for multiple dates. And the these people who've just come out and reported shoddy, sort of like, yeah, I asked the guy who empties the trash can in the gym, and he told me that he overheard, like, no one's, no one comes out and says like, yeah, we were wrong about this, we were given bad information, I'll do better in the future, this is what we do know to date, that's, that's just not the stuff that happens, so there's no, like, restoration of their... Um, Their credibility, so that's that's that that's why that happens, and so I don't blame anybody who looks at this and is
1: skeptical. No, I I don't either. I think it's the proper thing to to be is to be skeptical, but I just think it's unfortunate that like the coverage is a joke, you know. And even you know what upsets me is like we have so many people in the sport that like want to be the source. It like it's crazy like what the sport has become from before the pandemic to after the pandemic. We've had like an explosion happen on boxing Twitter where you have... I don't...
0: I, I, I'm i just going to disagree with this. I think it's always been like this. I think what the pandemic did is it... Th- there were some of us, like you and me, who were just online all the time, constantly plugged into these discussions, checking social media, whether it be... Reddit or Twitter or Instagram or wherever, and and like following the 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 inner workings of the sport. And I think with the pandemic, people started like the the, the amount of people who did what we do grew exponentially. Yeah,
1: but that's all I'm trying to say. But it doesn't just stop there. <clears throat> like I think that prior to the pandemic, there was no meeting place. For everyone in boxing. And I think because we didn't have anything to do, fighters looked towards social media. And like the kinds of conversations that can happen on Twitter are more, they're, they're more back and forth. Now, maybe there's a word for that, but like you can't really have a back and forth conversation on Instagram. It's not practical or on YouTube. But Twitter, you could read a comment, reply read your re- res- the re- your responses to your reply and there's going to be like a full length dialogue a conversation and um because of that you have people who are starting channels or starting pages and fighters listen and fighters share their own information and so i think as we've got further away from the pandemic that um that like that that hasn't that hasn't changed that that communication and so like it's harder. It's it's gotten harder and harder and harder for stuff to be kept a secret. Like if you look at how Pacquiao versus Spence was rolled out, that shit was unbelievable. It was like a strike of lightning or thunder, or whichever one it is that that can hit the ground. But if you take that kind of fight and put that in today's climate, you will have people whispering about what might happen and who's got the source and what date it is and. This is what I heard, and it's it's just kind of like it. It's fun, you know. I I get it. Like the rumors are fun. It's cool to be like the guy in the know, or to know the guy in the know. But like, I wish that the 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 separation between fans and and like movers and shakers was much bigger. I prefer that personally. It's just no, not it's it's happen. gone. I mean, like, I think, what's the saying? Um, like, you can't put the genie back in the lamp, or whatever. Like it.
0: No, you. You so I think it's there's a couple of things here. One, it takes a guy like Pacquiao who's completely aloof, who has professionals doing his his bidding, and he's like Pacquiao, you're not gonna get nothing out of Pacquiao. That dude is a star. He's not gonna spend his time um discussing what potentially could be happening. Pacquiao's not a guy that
1: Ellie Sekback does a lot of videos with. If you but it's like I can name several things that happened pretty secretly um before the pandemic. Versus, like after the pandemic, I don't think I could name any fight that happened in secret. Like,
0: uh, I don't, I don't. I, think so. I, let's let's play a game then.
1: I could name you Fury walking away from the Wilder rematch that was supposed to happen in Brooklyn. That happened in complete secret. Like that just was that was a shock to everybody. Uh, Errol versus Pacquiao was a shock to everybody.
0: But 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 no, so Errol versus Pacquiao was after the pandemic. Fury. Um, signing with top rank is top level stuff like he wasn't dealing with like he wasn't dealing with no low level stuff that was a deal at the highest level where we're talking ESPN is involved CAA is involved in negotiating that those are the type of people that do not talk to boxing reporters or boxing personalities or whatever we want to call them
1: it shouldn't be so hard to give me a fight like a a big thing that happened that was done in secrecy Like well, I can't think of any. Maybe I, maybe I'm tripping. Maybe there, it's out there, and I'm just like sleeping on it. But like, like Ryan, no, but that's,
0: but you're, you're arguing against your point. You're saying that this used to happen a lot, and I'm, and, and we can't really come up with that many
1: examples. I'm saying that as we've gotten further away from the pandemic, there are less secrets in boxing. I feel like, and I could be wrong, and I'm cool with that. But like.
0: Oh, there there are still lots of secrets. You just wait and see. It's it's just that I have all of them. Um but you, you know what? Something that I, I was thinking of is if we went back to 2018, I think it's about fair. When when Terrence Crawford re-signed with top rank, um, I guess you could even go a little earlier. But this was the fight that was always destined to happen. I think everybody already knew at the time that these were the best two guys in in the crop of welterweights. Even though, and I think it was, um, God, I don't remember who, who had said it, but they were like, you know, who's 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 the guy at welterweight? And they said, well, it's Keith Thurman. He's the one that with the belts. He's got two belts, so he must be the guy. Like, just we have to give him that level of respect. Even though Keith was kicking around, like, we all knew that it would be these two guys fighting. And the reason why I bring that up is because the last time we had something like this in the welterweight division, it was with Floyd and Manny. And we just knew it was always leading to this point. And I wonder if having the fight, like, you know, us knowing what the fight is in the division for what's like four or five years now, Does it is it going to have that same level of effect that it had for Floyd and Manny? Obviously on a smaller scale because these dudes aren't Floyd and Manny. Is it going to have that same level of effect or is the promotion for this, like there's still work to do? Because like, I feel like for Mayweather Pacquiao, like the promotion, like they could have just phoned it in because the fight promoted itself. I wonder if this is going to have the same effect because it is really interesting to think about if for these super fights, there's a, a clear time timetable of when they should be happening. And it's not like... Like, this fight wasn't feasible in 2018. Let's be clear about that. It probably didn't really emerge for a couple more years as like, okay, a legitimate... No, actually, it probably was the following year. <clears throat> but yeah, because it, it just seems like it's just some, there's just something special about the fact that these two dudes. It was clear that they were gonna fi- like they were gonna be the, the the two best guys in the division. They wound up being the two best guys in the division, and now we're finally at that point where this is gonna be a reality. And I wonder, does that have the effect on the promotion? You know, are we gonna get a million buy pay per view like we just did with Tank and Ryan?
1: I mean, I think like a million should be like the over-under or maybe like like close to it. But, you know, I think with these big fights, it, it, again, with the way boxing has changed, in my opinion, you know, you've had Errol and Spence be the center of the conversation around the welterweight division for a while. And, you know, for those who don't know, mainstream athletes and fans of sports in America are pretty familiar with Errol and and Terrence. You know, I, 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 you look at, like, NBA players that follow boxing, NFL players that follow boxing, talking heads that follow boxing. One of the fights they, they will always mention and have mentioned for the past few years is Errol and Bud. So, like, I think once it becomes more official, like, you see, like, Errol post the poster and Terrence Crawford post the poster <clears throat> and Steven Espinosa do whatever he does. I think those people will carry the promotion, which is cool. It's like a word-of-mouth thing. Obviously, you'll have guys do their press run and their New York, uh, whatever. What is it? when Like, kickoff show or whatever. You know what I'm talking about. Press conference. The LA kickoff press conference. But there will be a very organic uh, buzz to this fight. And I think, like, again, if it's official, When we see the fight happen on that Saturday, you'll see all sorts of athletes in attendance. Football players, basketball players, rappers, actors. It's going to be a little bit different from Tank and Ryan, which is a bit of a more younger demographic. But it will still be star laden for sure. In my opinion.
0: Yeah, so. Now let me ask you. This is the first of probably a hundred times we're going to have this conversation. You two listening. This is the f- probably well. This is obviously the first time we're going to really discuss this on the podcast. But I'm sure this one is going to get old pretty quickly. Well,
1: let's see a breakdown of how these two guys fare in the ring with um, each other. I just I, I think certain fights, in my opinion, are wars of attrition. You don't get them very often because you don't too often get fight too two guys that are willing to just go in the ring and try to, like, fucking kill each other. I, like, I felt, I predicted that Fandora versus Lubin would be a war of attrition. And it just so happened that Lubin's face broke and he couldn't continue. I think Bud versus Errol is going to be a war of attrition. And we don't, like, I think we won't really know until we just see who on the night is more durable. Because I think they both, they, they both heat up as the fight progresses in a similar way, but they just have a different way of going about it. Crawford is more of like a pick you apart type of guy. And Errol is a more wear you down type of guy. And so to me, it's just like, how's the old saying go? When a a movable force meets a like whatever object, I think just both of them are going to go in there like (laughs) two like wild pit bulls and whichever one just, doesn't have the durability to last will lose um i i don't i don't have much more to say on it than that i think it's a true 50-50 i think so i was listening to guys talk today on twitter and someone said the loser probably won't exit this fight and be the same and i kind of feel that way i think it's going to be a very emotional and physically taxing fight and whoever loses is just going to be fucking beat down And you know, like they might run it back, but it's going to be a very physical. It's going to be a very brutal fight. That's my expectation.
0: Let let me throw something out here. Those who get in the ring with Errol Spence do not leave the same person. Hell, that he if he gets if you get in a one on one sort of relationship with Errol Spence, you don't leave (laughs) the same way. That horse kicked him off. That that car all totaled. But Errol walked away, and that dude is—I mean—I think that's just him. Is gonna—you have to walk through hell with him, and he's going to like you. You're gonna walk through hell because like that, that's just the way he walks, and he's going through it too. Um, and and I and I agree. I think one thing I don't know if I haven't really talked about this fight much with people, so I don't know if anybody's made this point before, but. One thing I really like about this fight is unlike like um Floyd and Manny, where I think their their styles complemented each other in a way that was good for one and bad for the other. I think Errol's um or Floyd complimented Manny in that he had the perfect well, I mean, it was Floyd. He had the perfect like style to beat you. Man, he was going to do everything that fell into his traps. I feel like in this fight, it's actually the opposite, where the answer to the other guy is what the other guy brings. And so, Errol's a pressure guy who can box. He can, I mean, he can do everything, just like Terrence Crawford can do everything. But Errol's preferred way of fighting is walking a guy down, jabbing a lot, and then getting inside and working the body what makes Terence Crawford um and we haven't seen him really in the ring with somebody who can do what Errol can do but what he's been able to do very well is like he can weather storms pretty well and he and it's part of the strategy because he's a great counterpuncher and he's one of those counterpunchers though that like he's kind of like Marquez where the 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 punch is is meant to land with power and if he gets hit, that's okay. Terrence Crawford is a guy that, like, he's not there to to be defensive. He's there to make you pay. And, you know, he's one of those dudes, like, they say, like, if you're going to give it, you better be able to take it. And the, I, you can say that about both of those guys. Like, that's kind of personified in both of them. But I think it's really personified in Terrence Crawford where he's, he's that type of sharp counterpuncher. And I think that level of timing could definitely negate Errol coming forward. But at the same time, you can't take too many of Errol's body shots. You can't take too many of, of those those um, left hands because you see what, what he does to dudes' faces. I mean, when's the last time a guy walked out of a ring with Terrence Croft or with Errol Spence and their face wasn't completely busted up, perhaps with fractures somewhere on their face? It's been a while.
1: The, the tricky thing with... I mean, I'm not like normally like the X and O's guy, but with analyzing this fight is Crawford gets a lot of credit for being technical. But like we think of like Floyd or Andre Ward when we think of technical, those guys didn't lose very many rounds. Crawford loses rounds. And it's not because like Mm -hmm. the other guy isn't able to work on him. Like he'll let you work on him a little bit, pause. (laughs) But in the time that you start having progress and success he's break he's figuring you out and like by then it's almost too late and to like he hasn't fought anyone that could capitalize on that mistake and so like he'll 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 give away a few rounds he'll figure you out and then he picks you apart but like a Kell Brook, a Sean Porter, a mean machine these aren't guys that can capitalize on the slow start. Arrow might be able to capitalize on the slow start. And, and I think, because of what I'm saying, I think like intangible stuff will play a big factor in this fight. Like temperament, st- sticking to game plans, focusing. Cause like Arrow on the flip side, like he does a lot of good things. He stays disciplined. He's he stays like with his game plan. But sometimes he'll lose focus, and I, I don't think in a fight against mm-hmm. Terence Crawford, if you have that like Ugas moment with your where your mouthpiece drops, or like you let him hit you on the clinch or something like that, like that could get you hurt, and Terence will finish you. Um, or on the flip side, Terence is like he'll let himself get into like a bit more of a physical fight than necessary because he likes to fight. He wants to fight like deep down inside Terrence is not the slick boxer guy he is when he wants to kick your ass he's a bit of a bully and if you get into a bully fight with Errol I don't think that's the best idea because I don't think he could bully better than Errol can Oh, matter of fact maybe he can but in a war of attrition I I, I don't think he Mm -hmm. could be more durable than Errol at that fight I think if he boxes more he could be more durable but in it just like like a shootout. I I think Arrow will just just claw him to death like a, a grizzly bear. So I don't know. I think it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a great fight, a classic fight. I think uh, boxing fans should be happy, man. Like I've I've watched boxing the way I do now since like two thousand six or seven, and there haven't there's never been a year like this. Like, I think that's a part of the bigger conversation, right? Like, we got Lomachenko versus Haney, Tank versus Ryan. We're probably going to get Arrow versus Bud. We got Benavidez versus Plant. We might get another Benavidez fight. Maybe Plant, maybe, I'm sorry, not Plant. Maybe Morel, maybe Canelo. We might get a Wilder fight. We're getting Virgil versus Stani Onis. Uh, We might get another Tank fight. It might be Devin. I mean, we're getting, like, a insane amount of great fights. I mean, I didn't even mention like Charlo versus zoo. Mm-hmm. We don't know what Thurman is doing. Maybe Thurman fights. Ugas. that'd be really cool. I mean, like we're getting amazing fight after amazing fight in a way versus Fulton T O versus Taylor. Like this is a hallmark year for the sport. It's a transition from like old to new, um, big fights are happening. Pay-per-views are happening. It's just really exciting. And, uh, don't take it for granted because this year is probably not going to be like next year or, or the year after. This is a very special year we're getting.
0: Yeah. Well, I imagine next year could be like rebuilding because, I mean, I think a, a lot of things have had to happen for us to get to the point that we're at right now. Uh, th- this this stuff is not the result of like, oh, my God, you know, the the, the powers that be hit the the panic button and just made... You know, g- grab the two biggest names and put them in there. No, no, no. This is all completely calculated on everyone's part. And, um, you know, it, it took something to get to this point. I, actually, I want to go back to something real quick that uh, like you said about Terrence Crawford. Uh, I think your, your assessment of him was pretty good. You brought up that he's not the slick guy. And I just want to say that he, I think, for the most part, has shed that. But not fully and i feel like if hbo like had better grasp of what they had with terrence crawford i think two things would be true i could be wrong about both but one most importantly terrence crawford would actually be a much bigger star than he is if they would have just built him the, the correct way but they didn't do that they wanted. They, they thought that he had to fit into a certain mold that was kind of like Floyd. And there was a particular style that Floyd had and Andre Ward had that made them popular, even though I think that like Terrence Crawford, no, no, I'm
1: not going to go there. Um, I, I think, man, like Terrence would so always, was that. always going to have problems with popularity just because like, you know, unfortunate f- for him, he just really doesn't enjoy the media. You know, I don't know why. I'm not sure if like top ranking H
0: because they they told him that he like they he can't be. Yeah, himself. And I,
1: I do think that's true. But I also think like at some point you kind of have to like give it a try, like try to be yourself, try to like do things that you're comfortable with. You know what I'm saying? Like because like I've, I've seen content of Crawford that's like very basic, but it's still good content. Like him playing ping pong against Andre Ward and trash talking or him wrestling like his friends in the boxing gym and like showing that, showing his friends like I'm stronger than you. Like people like to see that kind of competitiveness and that kind of like, like undying, like I'm going to be better than you no matter what we do, whether I mean, like, look what they showed in like the last dance. They showed Jordan playing like some stupid gambling game with like the parking lot attendant and people that that clip is like a. That clip, will, that meme of that guy doing the shrug with the stupid hair, that's never going away. And, and and sometimes it doesn't have to. be You don't have to be Floyd. You don't have to be anyone but yourself. And it could work. People will like you for you. But just put it out there. And I think I don't know if Bud hates the media or he's just a little, uh, you, you know, like resentful of like how it started. But it's just, it just sucks that he never gave it a, another shot. You know. But what
0: I think he recently—I I can't remember what it was that he did—but it was pretty good. But let me throw out this little fantasy thing to you: How cool would it be if for the last year, the moment they started negotiating the first time, PBC arranged the Last Dance style crew to film them until basically they they wound up fighting, and we got like a three-part, five-part, whatever documentary on like the fight that's that that goes through the ups and downs we get to see like the video of i mean imagine an episode that includes terrence crawford setting up his little phone to do that ig live where he explains why he
1: signed with blk they wouldn't put that shit that that would be in like the like director's cut or something like that like that wouldn't be in like the final cut
0: (laughs) terrence crawford like backstage ripping his gloves or who somebody ripping terrence crawford's glove before he goes out to knock out david Avenesian. Oh my god. That that's that's that would be just brilliant TV. It obviously is not one like 1 million percent not happening. I mean for anyone I
1: mean, that likes boxing that I content, of. I would suggest to watch on YouTube HBO Legendary Nights. These aren't multi-episode shows, but they're like 30 minutes and they kind of do what Angelo just said in a more uh, condensed style. But they're a lot of fun to watch. They mostly profile older fights. Um, I I wouldn't mind if like we had something more modern that does uh, something similar. I mean, it would be cool if like because we have all access, right? I mean, it would be neat if like we reverse engineered yeah. the all access and did more than an epilogue. We did like a legendary night, so we revisit like the negotiation process, like what the media was saying, and just the whole bit. I mean, it would be neat, but whatever ultimately like we're going to get this fight and it's going to be it's going to be great man like people have been waiting for it for a long time we can finally have like the who's going to win debates and what's going to be on the undercard and all that stuff which is good
0: uh isaac cruz Deon- De- De- deontay Wilder, down, little guy
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> in my mind and heart deontay yeah, is an just, undercard fighter just
1: joking guys just joking uh, no, I think mean, I boots boots. Isaac Cruz is a great start.
0: Uh, can I have uh one Gary Antoine Russell better please? Start.
1: I mean, that's that's that, that is your televised pay per view undercard. Those three. Do 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 you want to take the additional step of picking Anto- their points, like, or do you just want to stop there?
0: Well, I mean, the the odds of us getting. Those three dudes um, on the uh, undercard are they pretty slim?
1: I mean, Isaac Cruz usually follows their Okay, I think Isaac
0: Cruz is one hundred percent.
1: So that's that's Let's check that box.
0: Boots. I think Isaac Cruz is number one. I think Boots is hard because
1: um, I think Boots is just a tough guy to figure out who this guy's gonna fight. Because like, I mean, for for, for a, a while, people fight? have talked about the kid that beat Rashidi Ellis, not, uh, Roman Villa, I think. I mean, I don't, I honestly don't like that fight because I think Boots would like massacre him, but uh, I mean, whatever. Like, he's, that's his name. Can can we
0: do Boots versus, uh, I guess, Cody Crowley? I
1: like Cody Crowley. I don't want to see him fucking.
0: Cody's like 29 years old, I think, like 30 years old already. Sorry, pal. You got, we, if you were five years earlier, maybe we, Still have the come on, Cody's on. a nice guys guy. Guys I want to,
1: do that to Cody, man. I like his story. He, he hit the nice whole suicide guy, but, like, um, prevention thing. Like that was nice. like we don't
0: oh, yeah, need to yeah, play. Yeah, 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 that's true. That's true. We, we, we may need to sit, save Cody. I, I, I like Cody Crowley, Crowley
1: versus like Mario Barrios yeah. or like Jamal James or something like that. Like Boots is like too too much for for that level, dude. But just to, just do listen honestly. Uh, Boots yeah. versus roman villa or rashidi ellis is perfect i think
0: those those are the the roman
1: Villa fight is could i mean i, I think it'd be I a great fight um I, like that's a fight where it's just like bed boots in like the first round type of deal no
0: nah, i'm i'm here for it because that Villa is a big dude who um I don't know. Could mess around and be able to take boots to shots, and we'll see what boots looks like after, <clears throat> you know, beating the shit out of somebody for four rounds. That's fine with me. It would be fun. Um, I think Isaac Cruz. The rumors that he's going to fight Giovanni Cabrera, and then I don't, know, I don't know about Gary Antoine. Maybe somebody else gets that opportunity. I think probably Gary Antoine is a little too high profile. The name isn't correct. But at the same time, I feel like yeah, you don't, you don't like don't do super all lo- like, three of those. Usually,
1: guys. we don't get a pay per view that's just like super loaded like that. I do agree with that.
0: Although you know, those are three really still pretty young guys. You I know think who that, I would actually mind does on make sense undercard, for
1: undercard. Though, like, I doubt he gets a shot. Jesus Ramos. I'm, I'm like the, like certain guys. Like I, I, that's not like, bad, I consider actually. myself I like that. the leader of the hype train. Subero Matias is one. Jesus Ramos is another. Throw <laughs> Jesus Ramos on there versus like. Like Jorge Cota or something like that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, maybe we don't want to see a ring death, but um, but yeah, maybe just somebody like slightly better than Jorge Cota. Sure. Who Who's the guy? Can
1: we Can we think of opponent real quick? Or is that? Yeah. No. We, Austin Trout, was... come on down, Trout. buddy. No, give me a break. I don't want to see Austin Trout. Hold on, <laughs> let me pull up box right while we while we're. While we're uh... <laughs> Pontificating. Let's see.
0: I mean, probably like I, I would do Jack Culke. Jack Colquet. If, if you can Ooh. get him. Who?
1: Got to post that Snoop Dogg. Uh... He's
0: a dude that almost beat Andre in like 2013.
1: Let's get a. Damn, I, there's certain guys that I wish like I just hate how like when you you could take a loss in boxing and some guys just get like like they don't they disappear a little bit. Like I would like it if Carlo, if Castano was like, like where is he right now?
0: I think he was supposed to be back in early summer, so he. I mean, he actually might pop up on the card. That's
1: that's that's, that's right, let's an see. interesting Look At the rankings, let's do Ramos versus Gachet. I'm not mad at that. Um, no. Nah. Didn't he just have a nice little win? No, not not Gache. No, no, he did. He beat, no. he beat Eddie Murphy's he nephew, or whatever
0: Brandon Lynch. Oh, oh wait, yeah, yeah, I was there. I was thinking somebody else. No, you're right. he's okay.
1: Yeah, that. that and that's, I think it'd be. A, I, I think Jesus Ramos, like his last fight, was like a. Was it like an eliminator of some sort? Okay.
0: No, I don't think it was. But all right, let's let's move on to uh, Haney Lomachenko. Let me ask you the hard hitting question right at the top. Was there no. any controversy like, to that? Fight?
1: This fight is so it's such an anomaly to me. Like I take great wow. Here yeah, we go. I'm, with I'm gonna the go on my, again. my rant. Like, <laughs> listen, I take great pride in <laughs> not in like having like a decent idea of like what's going on in the sport. Some people may say I have no idea, but that's fine, whatever. But like this fight, like everything about it, like caught me by surprise. Like I did, the fight went how I thought it would go. I thought it would be a close fight that Haney would edge out. I was a little concerned about the judging just because of the um, contract situation of Devin Haney, but he got, the, the judges, I think, did a good job. I think the fight could have been a draw or Haney could have won by a round or Lomachenko could have won by a round. It was just a close fight. But like this discourse after the fight was insane. Like John claude Van Dam commenting, Nelly commenting. Uh, Stephen A. Smith. It's like, yo, did all these people buy the fight? Like, what is happening? This is nuts. And to be honest, like, the discourse is very wrong. Like, to call the fight a robbery, it's, I don't know if, like, you know, I watched it without the ESPN commentary. And sometimes commentary can influence how we experience a fight. And so I'm thinking maybe the, the commentary was so pro Lomachenko that people felt that they were right and that was what they saw but that that really wasn't what happened you know it was just a close fight and that's fine but man the the commentary around this fight um the the reactions to Taney winning I mean like I'm seeing people on Twitter YouTube comments who are like I can't wait for Haney to fight Tank so he can get knocked the F out, even on Reddit. And and what's very Dude, unique that about is this is so like, funny. The, this, the places that I'm seeing this commentary would typically never root for a fighter like Tank. Like, I'm not sure how many listeners frequent Reddit, but Reddit isn't the most pro like PBC fighter place to discuss boxing. So when you see these people cheering for a tank, it's like, what's what's really happening here? Like this is it is just such a unique thing that Haiti has going on right now. It's it's very crazy to me. But I mean, <laughs> good it was, it was a great fight. It was a good fight. It was, it was close and entertaining.
0: Yeah, I think the con like the biggest controversy is the way people reacted and not necessarily um, the fight itself. I think one that I haven't seen anybody acknowledge is that this wasn't an easy fight to score because a lot of Devin's work was being kind of, it was kind of muted because he was throwing body shots and he's throwing body shots as usually as Lomachenko was coming in. And so it's easy to have your attention elsewhere Or to not know for sure if those shots were landing or not. Lomachenko threw a lot of punches and he either missed a lot of punches or there really wasn't a lot on his punches. And I think to me, um, if I really think about like, in hindsight, looking at the the way Lomachenko's offense was, it was a little too amateurish for me. And but, with that said, watching live as I'm like kind of counting in my head rounds won or or loss, I thought maybe Lomachenko got it, but i it was kind of like one of those things where at the end of the fight, I was like, maybe he got it, but I think Haney's gonna get the decision because I felt like the 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 more the clearer punches that were scoring on a consistent basis came from, from Haney and Lomachenko did something that I thought was just really baffling to me as I was watching the fight And, and like this alone, I think is why he lost. And it's that anytime he had any success or had what appeared to be success, you know, maybe those punches weren't landing or weren't landing, you know, in, in any meaningful way, but appeared that way, Lomachenko would step away from the exchange and and go back to center and try to turn it back into a boxing match, you know, in the center of the ring. And that, to me, was just really strange behavior from him, for one. But for two, like, he was never able to build consistent momentum. The only, I would say that, like, the only time in the fight that he won round like multiple rounds in a row was like 10 and 11 where he actually appeared to have Haney hurt but everywhere else like he was his own worst enemy and I'm not saying that like Lomachenko clearly lost the fight because he did um but he has nobody to blame but himself like I don't know why people feel sorry for him like yeah he cried after the fight too fucking bad. You gave up the twelfth round. I don't know what had him believe that he he was winning the fight, so he could give up a round. But that is amateur shit. That is Erizlandi Lara in in twenty fourteen fighting guys and completely coasting because he landed six jabs. He's keeping it score in his head, and he he like would basically stop fighting the round. Once he felt he'd landed just a few more punches but than like, the other who, guy. But
1: who's crying for him really? Like, I don't, and then I, move the I rest of the really round. I don't feel the need to like opine on those who are crying for him. Because the people who are crying for him, for the most part, are just like casual sports boxing fans who like might watch like three fights a year or something like that. Like, like Real boxing heads know the sport well enough to say, hey, that was a close fight. Or hey, Haney won by one round. Or hey, Lomachenko. Could have won by a round, but in close fights it doesn't always work that way. So like, either they rematch or it just goes down in history as a very close fight. Um, I, I don't, I don't have anything to say to these like, like oh Lomachenko should have won. Oh my God, what a, a catastrophe! It's just like chill. Like it wasn't like that, man. It was a close fight. Like, cut it out. I I think what's more revealing to me about in the fight is like, Lomachenko for so long we've been told like he's better than floyd at 35 he's like it's like all-time legend first ballot hall of fame and stuff and i'm sure he'll make first ballot hall of fame but like he just has limitations at 135 that like i i think once he fights other top level guys like the the flaws just are, are are amplified like haney uh, I mean, you're, just you're I mean, nice. I'm, I'm being real. Like Lomachenko's, well, how am I being nice? Like, what should you're I say? Real he's not nice. shit. Like, that's that wouldn't be true. But like, when he fights, when he fights top level guys, that like no. one aren't gonna will under under pressure. Two can defend themselves defensively or can defend themselves offensively. A lot of the the, the stuff that he's great at, it it gets negated like he couldn't impose himself on Devin cuz Devin is huge. And like one thing I want to put into the the atmosphere is it, like I want to pose a question. Is Devin a weight bully? Cuz he's been he he's been at 135 since he was 16. Like you could box wreck that. And he's had a couple fights at 140. Just just putting that out there. But like he couldn't impose himself physically on Devin because of the dimensions. Like his arms are shorter he is shorter. He doesn't have enough power to just, like, hurt Devin. And Devin is big enough to just clinch him and take away the opportunities. So, like, then what happens, right? Like, he has to, like, spend a lot of time trying to, like, find the spot. But, but yo, you're wasting mad time. And you're losing rounds while you're wasting this time. And it's the same thing kind of happened with uh, Teofimo. And, like, I'm watching the fight and I'm, like, wondering, like, okay, so what would Frank Martin do against Lomachenko, who who also has had fights at 140, who's also very athletic and very defensively responsible? Like, is he going to be able to, like, use his angles and, like, ballerina footwork to just, like, pivot around a Frank Martin or a tank and just, like, completely exploit them? Like, I don't think so. So, like, while I do rate Lomachenko, he's a great fighter to, like, if you beat him, it's a high-quality victory for sure. But, like, what we've been told about Lomachenko since he got a championship belt at 35 is not, I don't think it's reality. Is that—is that is test that, too nice? You want me to be more harsh? Look, I could be. I could, what you guys it say? It ain't
0: what I'm going to say. I'll tell you that much. So first of all, I thought Devin would win this fight easily. He didn't. I thought Devin was going to win it just 10-2. And the reason for that is I thought Lomachenko's legs wouldn't quite be there. And Devin, at twenty-something years old, should have his legs. Okay? Turns out neither guy really needed that much legs, because it just wasn't that type of fight. But you know, the, the, the kind of hindsight conversation to have is is like really, you are what your record is. And we have to have these honest conversations with ourselves of like, look, you can look you you can admire what you want to admire, and that's totally fine, but you are what your record is. Lomachenko has had three, let's say, four fights that really, really matter. There are the three fights he lost, and then we'll throw Gary Russell Jr. in there. You know, Gary has proven to be an elite talent in the sport since then. Um Although you you could you're you're not wrong if you want to shit on Gary's resume and say maybe that's not fair. But just eye test, Gary Gary's a you know, a very talented fighter. But Salito beat him. Tiafimo had Lomachenko shook. I don't know if Lomachenko was better than that on that night. You know, that be- he was a better the, fighter than what Tia he showed
1: Fimo, us. During the Tiafimo fight.
0: Yeah, on that, on that fight night with Tiafimo, I don't know if Lomachenko, there was something more in him. But I don't know. And and the thing is, he gets the benefit of the doubt every fucking time. And people think that just because he can do X, Y, and Z to these lower level guys, that that's who he is. But like, nah. I am just impressed as watching him clown Mariaga, as many others have, but especially pleased to watch Lomachenko do it. But... Mariaga ain't Tiofimo, and when he, well, I mean, Tiofimo ain't even Tiofimo anymore, but that's a story for another day, but on that night, I can't say, well, there was another version of him that he just wasn't able to be, and give him credit for losing that fight. I admire that he came on strong towards the end of that fight, but it wasn't enough, and he lost. And now against Devin Haney, where there appeared to be moments where there were openings for this guy to be great. He didn't take him. And is it like, do, do we passively just say, well, he couldn't like, or he, he, he thought he was winning the fight or, or make some excuse to make it okay? Or do we just come out and say, he, does, he doesn't have it? Simple as that. And to me, I think in hindsight, we just got to be hard on this guy. He was an amazing amateur. No one cares. This is not the amateurs. This is professional boxing. His amateur accomplishments, they're they are unimpeachable. He's got the gold medals. But as a professional, you can even say that his career has been a bit of a letdown. Wasn't able to accomplish his goal of being undisputed. He talked about that at the beginning. Wasn't able to do that. Now, he had moments where he looked phenomenal against marginal opposition and with that said and i'm not saying that he's a bad fighter by any stretch i think lomachenko is talented and i think the sum of his parts is greater than what he actually is because what we've seen thus far is his power or his willingness to throw with power is not quite what you need to be a great champion Devin Haney has shown that he's a bit chinny. He is hittable. Shit, Lomachenko won the jab battle. Interesting that he gave up like seven inches in reach and was able to win the jab battle with Haney. But none of that was enough to get the win. And you might be saying, well, I thought Lomachenko won the fight. Listen, pal. We'll all admit that that was a competitive fight and it was close. The judges preferred what Haney was throwing. They did not like what Lomachenko was throwing. You gotta make it like abundantly clear in these fights in order to get the decision. No one's sitting here saying that this is f- like fraud. This isn't Roley getting a decision over Jackson Mourinho where well. we're all looking at each other like uh did they watch the same fight we did? This isn't uh Pierre Benoit, I think his name was, who scored uh the Lara versus Paul Williams fight for Paul Williams when Arizona De Lara like I mean, got hit maybe four times the whole fight. That's that's not what what this was, and so Lomachenko lost a close decision. Two two judges had it one point away from a draw. I think that's totally fair. But at best, you can say Lomachenko deserves like he, he's he's got to see no, the he's table just limited. He doesn't have he an extra the top dog
1: year. Like if you are if you are good enough. To not, like, fall into his little, like, footwork mixes. And, like, he he has good hand. Like, go ahead. Go ahead. Can I make a basketball comp? He's a, a
0: fighter that fights at a pace that if you're not capable of slowing the pace down yourself or keeping up with it, he'll just run you out the court. And... There are high so level he, guys know how to settle that down. You know, you try that shit with Tank, and he's just going to so take so you. He's into like the, the seven seconds or less and Phoenix bully Sons. your ass. Yeah, and and they didn't win a title. Were they amazing to watch? Yes, but like that 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 didn't scale to that you know slower pace where where teams could like you know study you. And just figure out how to shut you down.
1: I mean, I have no objection with that. Um, I mean, I've never, I've never like really sipped the Lomachenko Kool Aid, so I don't have any beef with the comment. But
0: you know what's funny is, like, over the course of the podcast, I've always been very respectful of Lomachenko, and people think I'm like a Lomachenko stan, but like, nah, I am just looking I at this remember, dude just objectively. Is, you're
1: gonna like die laughing at this, like what and I, I think, said but i'm i'm going to say cuz like i don't like backing on what i said just like cuz i'm scared of it or whatever but i remember when like lomachenko hype was like first starting and i was debating with someone that i think like robert easter would give him a good fight not win necessarily but like all this like no maschenko shit would not happen with robert easter and people were clowning me so hard and i was like bro like like lomachenko is good <laughs> but like Come on, man! Like this is not like Roy Jones Jr. We're looking at here. Like, give me a break. And I think now that we're a bit further down the line of his career, it's clear that he's a good fighter, but not like what happened to No Maschenko. Where is that guy at? It doesn't. Again, he, he's fighting. Yeah, I, I, all, he was fighting. First of all, he wouldn't beat Robert Easter. Wouldn't beat Robert Easter. I just said like, like all just all these like. I mean, he was like beating the shit out of people, having crazy stoppages, guys were just randomly quitting in the middle of the fight for no reason. Like that was the temp the, the like what people believed he was. And I, I never really believed in that. So, um, and I, I want to say one more thing too. Uh, we were talking about Lomachenko in the Discord, and someone said his decision to stay at 135 was financial. And I, I'm not sure that I agree with that. Because like we see Tank now and think Lomachenko hung around at 135 because Tank was the money guy. But Tank, but Lomachenko was popping before Tank was popping. And like when Tank finally got popping, everyone said he had to fight Lomachenko. Oh my God. I have one more point. But I'll, I'll say this first. If Lomachenko could get to 130 comfortably, I think he would. I don't think that was a financial decision. I just think he didn't want to make the weight. And the opportunity was there at 135, and he he just never wanted to go back. He never wanted to go back. And here's another thing. Real quick, sorry, sorry. Mikey wasn't there either. Because by the time Lomachenko was popping, Mikey was already going through his, like, beef with top rank. And so Mikey was, like, completely out of the ring, out of the picture. So there's no Mikey. There's no tank. It was just Lomachenko. He was, like, standing by himself. So just wanted to get that off real quick
0: um I don't I, I can see it I can see it going both ways I I think um I think that I think that he, he has a manager that's pretty smart and um if the available fights for him were best at 135. That's probably what Lomachenko would have done. Um, you know what's interesting, also I just want to bring up about the fight is that Devin walked
1: Lomachenko, you know, made
0: Lomachenko fight off the back foot, and Lomachenko really struggled.
1: Lomachenko is a is a he's bully a and he's very foot arrogant foot in the ring. And when you when you're able to step to a bully that's arrogant in the ring, it it, it confuses them a little bit because they're not used to that so shopping yeah
0: you know it's something that was really funny to me because you mentioned it but like i i noticed i noticed it too and it kind of made me laugh is that you have like fans that generally probably aren't normally fans of tank but we're, like, putting up the tank signal. Dude, like, like you don't understand how, out.
1: like, in, in uh, again, since, like, 2006, 2007 is, like, when I became a hardcore. That has never happened. Like, like if Paulie Malinaji, right, if Devin and Tank are is announced tomorrow, Paulie Malinaji is going to be like, Tank is going to knock him out. Devin Haney has no chance. Like, he's going to be all over Tank, and this guy is basically, like, Tucker Carlson of boxing right now. So it's just, like, it's just a very weird dynamic happening at one thirty-five that I've never seen before. Um, and here, here's something I want to give Lomachenko props for. This was my like my last thing on Lomachenko, right? So after Haney and Lomachenko, everyone's like, "Oh my god!" Like this, this pop, like it, it's way bigger than I expected. Haney punched this ticket; he's the guy. But we're not giving Lomachenko any credit. I was thinking about it, and I think Lomachenko is like an amazing. He, he's like Miguel Cotto. He's like a great B side to a fight because he he's been on ESPN for so long. He's posted really good ratings for so long, and people buy people still buy the No Mas thing. So, like maybe not Cotto, but stick with me. Like, yeah, like people really think he's like no, this Cotto's immortal. Fair. Oh, Boxer, technician who can't be beaten and stuff like that, and like you put him in with a good dance partner, and you have a big fight. And I, I think this, I think it, we've seen it with Teofimo. I think we saw it with Devin. And credit to Lomachenko and Top Rank for building the the, the B side guy. You know, he's a he's one of the he's probably one of the best B side guys in boxing right now. Because even even like thinking back on the fight. When the hell have we had a Lomachenko fight that there's fifteen thousand people in the arena or whatever 13,000, 14,000, 15,000, and the majority of these people are cheering Lomachenko's name like that's kind of weird. We I don't think we've had that before, and so I I I don't remember the last
0: time. Uh, I mean, it's been a while. I don't
1: remember any time. <laughs> I forget last time. Um. So I I, I think while Devin. We'll definitely go on to do bigger and better things probably. I do think Lomachenko deserves some credit also for even though he didn't participate in like any of any like media stuff, just him being him was enough to build the fight into a bigger fight. And I, I think it should be stated. Uh,
0: <clears throat> yeah, I think um I, mean, I, I think he's Definitely a guy who I guess I feel, um, hmm, how should I say this? I think there's definitely a, a certain fan base of fighters or fan base in within boxing that Lomachenko is, you know, the, the, these, the, the people who basically are holding on to like the HBO, like the, the whole HBO ecosystem. Lomachenko is still a lot for those guys and well guys it is close to the end of the line for our boy Lomachenko because um I don't know man when you cry the way he did after that fight feel like uh that may be like an emotional reasoning
1: for crying I thought like for him I, I gained respect for Lomachenko in this fight like against Teofimo like I didn't really care that he lost but like I liked Lomachenko's energy going into this fight. And what he said, I thought was pretty cool. Did you hear or no? So he said that over the Uh, course of the day, his son called him uh, like several times and kept saying, and knew, and knew. And when he finally sat down after the fight and he like put his head down, he kept hearing his son's voice and knew, and knew. And it hit him that he lost. And he was like sad that he let his son down or something, something along that Along those lines, and I was like, "It's oh, pretty like commendable." You know what I'm saying? Like, I can't, like, <laughs> like I, a lot of people are happy well, that like Lomachenko was crying. At least he didn't I let Nas down. Like, his fan base has been pretty annoying over the last few years, but like, I can't, I can't hate on a dude for that. That's pretty like, it's pretty stand up. Um, <laughs> all right, I mean, that, that, listen for all the say. people that think I'm um, I'm racist or PVC PVC show, There you go. I'm heart. There you go.
0: Is what it is. It's, it's just, it's just an emotional boxing fan. <laughs> uh no, I don't care. I, I mean I didn't even care that he cried. Like, who cares? Like, okay.
1: Oh, yeah. I probably Why, would I, cry I,
0: too I, if I lost a like, fight. I don't again. I don't especially to somebody
1: like Again. I don't understand know, the discourse around this fight. We've had him in the past. We'll have him in the future. It was a good fight. End of story. Um shout to Tom Cody. Tom said he thinks that all the discourse was a big like play by CAA, like the John Claude Van Damme clip. I thought that was pretty funny that he said that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That is, that is like, so like, I don't know what we would call it, but like, you're just so deep into like the, you've been pilled up here. Like you're just like, it's not even conspiratorial that, that is, that it is, uh, you know, it, oh my God! You think? Do you think? Do you believe? Um, Paulie Malignaggi, and I don't mean any of the eugenic stuff he says, but more uh, the the thing he said about Devin Haney resigned with Top Rank two days before the fight, and that is why he got the decision because old Bob dialed up the corpse of Dave Moretti and the put, other the, goals put the put the call were scoring this one, and we're like.
1: So, for what it's worth, it's like, hey, Lou DiBella was on Twitter yesterday yeah. or the day before, and, and who who ha, who kind of like helped liaise this entire Devin Haney thing with Lomachenko, and he said that the rumors of Devin signing uh-huh. back with Top Rank are false. And Devin today responded to that. Someone tweeted him and asked, and he also said it's false. So unless you know it's being kept top secret. I think Devin is a true free agent. I do not think he's with the Bella. I do not think he's with top rank. I think he's completely free. And we will see him, you know, maybe he'll be with own. Maybe he'll be with PVC. Maybe he'll be with top rank. Who knows? Bro, maybe he'll be, maybe with Jake it'll Paul. be with Jake Paul. You, you never know.
0: Bullshit. Whatever You never know.
1: With uh, Bill Haney.
0: I just want to say, that I have a lot of things to say about this. But first of all, I think. Devin Haney signing with Jake Paul is, like, low-key a good idea. Let me explain. I feel like Devin doesn't need to go and be Tank because he's not. Like, you just put them next to each other and listen to them talk, and you realize, like, Devin is an actor. Tank's the real thing. You ain't going to be Tank, okay? And by the way, your dad's just going to talk over you, so, like, you know. You ain't doing shit. Haney is down with that Andrew Tate shit. Unfortunately, Jake Paul's fan base seems to like there. There seems to be some overlap there, so I feel like there's a lot of of fans to pick up from Jake Paul that you are like you would not get otherwise. So you might as well just hop on that train. Now, does this make making fights potentially down the line difficult? Maybe. Is it the best idea to secure big fights with like tank? No, but I do think that there's some. It's not the worst idea in the world. That would be signing, uh, going back to matcher. Um, unless you want to fight Liam Paro or something. Uh, but yeah, I wonder why Polly would have made that nonsense up about um go him re-signing and how what what he heard that would have him believe that Devin had re-signed because we even said it before the fight on the podcast we were like yeah the if the cards are going to be screwy it's they're going to go to Lomachenko because he's the one that is signed with top rank and then the other thing is Lomachenko makes less money if he would have beat Haney it would have been fool on Lomachenko's back like it's 2015, and he would be at a much lower rate. Than no, the, yeah, like
1: I think than uh, Devin Haney. That was always my thing, you know. I'm, I'm, you guys know me. I'm the conspiracy theorist, and I felt that if it was close, Top Rank would do what they could do to ensure that Lomachenko would win. You know, Lomachenko would be cheaper. Lomachenko probably wouldn't demand to be on pay per view. T- Lomachenko would do whatever Top Rank says. Um, And, and yes. And, and I also think they could put over Shakur with Lomachenko further on down the line. Um, so
0: I think, um, speaking of Shakur, I think it's interesting that Shakur got in the ring, but only, but like, only after Devin Haney, like, got out. It's, I think that was pretty clear to me that, like, they're not playing along, Devin Haney is not playing along with, um, the top rank spin here where they're not trying to do no fake beef with Shakur in the ring afterwards. It was clearly a sign. It's like, we're just going to do what we want. You know, you want, you want to do this Shakur shit. You better come and see us at the, at the I mean, negotiating again, The, the table, Haney thing is so hard. I really try to force like, it. I,
1: I also want to like throw out there, like on the last episode we did, it may have sounded like I was upset that Devin is making as much money as he is. And that's not the case. I, I'm just amazed at the fact that, like, it's so rare in boxing to see someone with no, like, managerial relationships or promotional relationships move as freely as he does. And it, like, works every step of the way. And it's just, like, it, it's perplexing to me. You know, like, guys like Devin, sometimes, like, they they become, like, the Andrade. Or, like, they don't get the big fights. Or they, they have to take the super tough fights because like no one else will or they don't get like the benefit of the doubt on the scorecards and like he's it's like he's hot at a at a a, not a roulette table like a craps table and he's just hitting the the number time after time after time and so um yeah i don't know the shit's amazing i'm not sure what he's gonna do next he i I agree with you that he was not with that Shakur shit he was like nope i'm out of here and he told Shakur he said i'm the number one guy and Shakur was like, yeah, until you face me. But by the time Shakur said that, Haney was halfway down the runway. You know what I'm saying? Like he was like, I'm out of here. I'm taking my belts and I'm it's we, we in a club. So I don't Where would you like to see him next? How about that? Do we have that conversation yet?
0: Uh no, we'll do it real quick because we gotta get out of here. I think um, I think tank. I think that's probably the best fight for Devin, especially because he's saying, I'm gonna move to 140. So if you're going to do it, if you're going to stay one more fight, fight tank and then move on with your life, go to 140 and, you know, start your new campaign there. If he absolutely cannot make 135 again, um and I don't I don't think that's the case, but if he can't, then I mean, Ew, not my see, Jose. See, okay, Pedraza? so the
1: tough thing with Devin, right? If he's gonna like lean into this bad guy, <laughs> which it looks like he's going to do, he can't be fighting Pedraza because, like, he'll see. This is the tough thing. You're gonna have to fight guys that are, have a real chance to beat you. Because if you're gonna go in as the bad guy and you want people to hate you and watch you lose, people have to believe you have a legitimate chance to lose. Pedraza, that's not believable, and it's not exciting. So. That that's a tough a uh, tough sell. Um, I do agree. I would like to see the tank fight next. I mean, I think they could do a a Errol Spence deal, a Arrow Bud deal, where you have this this rematch clause. Uh, if Tank loses, running back. If Devin, lo- I
0: I I think that would be a great option. They, but they run the, back. The Lomachenko. tough thing
1: is to get a Lomachenko fight. You're going to have to sign a multi-fight deal with Top Rank. And and maybe that's not the worst thing because I, of all the fights that are out there, right? If not tank, I would like to see Devin versus Tio the most because you have two guys that are skilled, but also very flawed. And it's like, who's like, who will prevail of like these two flawed guys and they'll both talk trash. They both have a bit of a history. It'd be a good, like little way to set things off at one forty. Like I, I, that's like a like that's a fight that I'm pretty geeked about, and it's like not no one even talks about it. It doesn't seem like so. I mean, you can't go wrong like
0: there with the having those options. I also think like if you can stay at 135, like I, I think the right fight for him, they won't take it. This is not going to happen. Would be nice, but I'm I not, actually think the right again, fight is Ivy like Cruz. I
1: can't wait for the next cruise fight because we're going to put my theory to test. Because like you don't think he like. I think he's like he's ready. He's big, and you're like, uh, not sure. So we'll we'll see. Devin versus Roley, interesting too. Although, although, yeah, I want Roley and Ryan, and then like if Devin can sneak into the winner, those dudes are reserved. Like that action, that'd be cool. But
0: all right, well, we're gonna leave it right there. If you guys want to fantasy book this on your own, send it our way. Head over to patreon.com slash sundaypuncher you know what to do sign up one dollar gets you in or you can pay more whatever you want but um, join a crew get in on the conversation in the discord server uh, listen to the extra podcast that we do we do uh, you know we do pre or post game uh, no, that's that's stupid Not not we don't do games um, pre post podcast where we discuss either before the podcast or we discuss after the podcast either the podcast itself or um, just random topics that we didn't make it, or we'll talk about some random stuff. I don't know. So thank you guys for listening. Hopefully you guys go and do that, and support the show and all that stuff. We really appreciate that. If you don't, all good. Um, You know where to find us on social media. So thank you for listening. We will be back next time.